passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of the Eggshells Podcast Companion. This is an audible companion to Eggshells, Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, a book that's available right now and covers every wrestling show in the history of Japan's most famous stadium. In this podcast, we take a look at a different year in Tokyo Dome history each episode. This particular episode, we're going to be talking about the space year 2001 and I am joined this episode by, from Voices of Wrestling, Mr. Rich Kreitsch. How are you doing? How's it going, Chris? Thanks for having me. Well, it's an early morning for you, but uh, but thanks for, for hopping on. It's always difficult to do time differences when you do podcasts from Japan. Right. Yeah, no, no. I try to make it as easy for you guys because I know uh, in, in certain times we've, I think you and I have done shows before and we've done like yeah. nights and I always felt horrible because for you it was like 4 a.m. or whatever. So I'm returning the favor here. It's only 8 a.m. I'm good. Yeah. I yeah. got my coffee. We're all right. Yeah. Yeah. I have done a fair few interviews at three in the morning because it's it's one thing to do. Okay. It's it's time differences, but time differences plus kids is yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, that makes the biggest fun. nightmare in the world. <laughs> saying, yeah. When they're asleep, that's when. We have to do this kind of thing. So, um, yeah, Rich, 2001, this, uh, this time, this particular episode. Um, what are your recollections of, of 2001 in, in general? What, what was Rich Creech doing in 2001? Oh, man, in 2001, I was... God, I don't even know how old I was at that point. I don't even want to know because it's going to make me feel terrible. <laughs> so I'm not even going to bring it up. But, uh, um, yeah, what was I doing in 2001? I think watching a lot of wrestling, for sure. Uh, a lot of American wrestling. Uh, hoping that the invasion wouldn't be so terrible, and then it was terrible. Uh, um, yeah, otherwise, in 2001, I mean, that was basically it. I started, um, this is actually the first year, so I, I started really getting back into pro wrestling. Like, I, I watched it a little bit as a kid, you know, in, in, in the early, early 90s, uh, but kind of just dabbled in it. And then about 1997 is when I really got into it. You know, I'm in my teenage, or, or, you know, early, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade. Like, that was, like, prime time for, you know, what the Attitude Era was giving us, which I was like, oh, my God, Sable, and yes, The Undertaker, and K, like, that, it's perfect. It was, like, exactly what a fifth grader wanted in their life. Um, but by 2001, though, I started kind of veering a little bit away from 
WWE and, 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 and that sort of stuff, mostly because once WCW went down and once ECW went down, I kind of became like, not, not like a smart mark or whatever, whatever the term would be, but around this time I started getting more involved in the in-ring and, and more in, less in, in, involved in like the storylines and stuff. So by 2001, like in WWF, they were still having good matches, but I wasn't really involved with the, with the invasion all that much. And I started kind of seeking out other wrestling. Unfortunately, I didn't find, uh, you know, Japanese wrestling at this point quite yet, but I started sort of seeking out some of the independents. And obviously this is the early, early years of the independents in 2001, you know, pre uh, Ring of Honor really popping up. But this is the first period where I started to spread my wings a little bit in wrestling. And eventually, you know, that would lead me to Ring of Honor, the independents a few years later. And then a few years after that lead me to to Japanese wrestling. So I didn't watch or, or follow anything in real time in terms of Japanese wrestling in 2001. But um, it was it was starting to bubble there a little bit. You know, what I mean, I, I consider that the year where I really started saying, OK, I'm going I'm to find some alternatives here because, you know, I'm only getting one thing in American wrestling and I want to see what else is out there in the world. Yeah, that kind of um, yeah, that kind of connects to where I was at the time because like 2001, I think would have been you know we got the internet in our house like super late, so it would have been like about 2000 and 2001 that I was I was having my own sort of uh, I don't know epiphany as as an internet <laughs> as a wrestling fan on the internet was it was in 2001 and so yeah that that was when. Uh, you know, I started watching other stuff and like I had a weird connection to wrestling anyway in the Attitude Era because like I didn't have satellite TV in the UK. So what I, am, I wound up watching was late WCW. Um, and then yeah well <laughs> there was some good and bad there <laughs> yeah well bad, you know but... a lot of bad um and uh yeah then then wwf when you know channel four picked it up briefly um and so yeah good kind of slim pickings to to someone uh who didn't have satellite tv and didn't have the internet um but uh yeah this was about 2000 2001 was when i started discovering other stuff you know and i, I was watching a lot of ecw really kind of just after they'd finished was when i went back and, and watched all of this other stuff so while the invasion was going on i guess um and then sort of segued into yeah other indie stuff and, and japanese wrestling from there um that's actually that you bring it up real quickly i wanted to say that, that 2001 I, I think for the same way as i started really getting on the internet a lot in 2001 uh, I, I you know i think i had it in 99 and 2000 but i didn't really utilize it as much and, and 2001 is where i really discovered like the tape trading era and all that sort of stuff and 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 that you know whole kind of its own i don't even know what you call it, the old industry or whatever of the tape mm. trading and so i started watching a lot more older stuff because you know i my frame of reference was what i had watched what was on monday what was on on Sunday pay-per-views or whatever. But by 2001, I really started spreading my wings in terms of not only wrestling outside of, you know, what America was giving me, but also going back, like you said, and watching stuff from the early 90s, from the 80s, from that sort of stuff. And I started just consuming that and doing tape trades and and even horrible slow downloads on, you know, Kazaa or whatever the hell I was using at that time, too. So this, similar to me, was a year where, where I started really kind of watching historical stuff, too, because maybe I wasn't getting what I wanted out of, you know, pure American wrestling, you know, what I was watching on Monday. So I was kind of seeking out uh, historical stuff as well a little bit. Yeah. Um, 2001 in Japan, in Japan in general, instead of uh, in Japanese wrestling, um, a, a quite cultural year. Um, Miyazaki, uh, Miyazaki's Spirited Away was, was in, the, in the movie theaters. Um, and if you were going out and about in Japan in 2001, the, the Studio Ghibli Museum, Universal Studios Japan and Disney Sea all opened 
uh, in Japan in in the year 2001. Are you a theme park person, Rich? Uh, I used to be. I'm not as much anymore. I don't know if I've gotten too old for them or whatnot, or the lines kind of annoy me. I used to be as a kid. I loved theme parks, so I would have been all on board with with going to two theme parks, you know, in in, in consecutive days or whatever. Now, but yeah, I haven't been to one in, in, in quite a while, and I don't know if that's just me getting older. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I do still enjoy theme parks, and I enjoy Roller Coaster Tycoon the game quite a lot, <laughs> like once a year. So I enjoy building and maintaining theme parks. I can tell yeah. you that much. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm like, yeah. I, I went through a phase, you know, of like, okay, I'm, I'm 30 now. Going to a, a theme park is is ridiculous, and so that was like what four or five years ago. Um, but now my my oldest son is getting to the point where he might want to go on roller coasters, and mm-hmm. I used to really right, right. like roller coasters, but now I'm worried that you know that the rust of not having been on one um will will kick in and i'll be a, a massive um you know a ball of ball of nerves if if i yeah, ever yeah. made yeah i think one. like now i just like think too logically i'm like oh, i don't know yeah. is this safe like i don't know about this, <laughs> this guard here like oh i don't know that that looks a little rusty or like I, I just yeah like thinking things that i would never have cared about when i was you know 12 or 13 or whatever that exactly. now i think i care yeah i'm the same way i haven't been on a roller coaster in probably got six years now so i'm sure it'd, it'd be a wreck if i actually did go on one so we have to see yeah, uh, the big video game things that were happening in 2001 uh, included Game Boy Advance. Uh, ties into some wrestling stuff there because that was the first exposure I had to Fire Pro Wrestling. Because oh, right. like yeah, yeah. yeah, because it was one of the it was the first Fire Pro Wrestling game that got released in the West was like mm-hmm. the the conversion of, of Fire Pro Advance. Um, so yeah, that 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 was my first uh, recollections of that series was trying to squint at that really really terrible Game Boy Advance screen. <laughs> um, but uh, they improved yeah. it in later years. The uh, the the one that you could open up, I forget. It had a certain tagline to it. Now I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. Maybe the SP or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, there you go. That one was great because it had like the backlight or whatever. But the original Game Boy Advance is kind of trash. But that's yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, number one in the Japanese pop charts uh, in 2001 was Itada Hikaru and Can You Keep a Secret. <laughs> Every episode, I do, I do the legwork and I look up what was number one in the pop charts for each year in the hope that someone will uh, will go, ah, yes. <laughs> and then, well, today is not that day, unfortunately. <laughs> no, sometime, sometime, well, there, is, there, is there any, like, big J-pop fans in the, in the wrestling media space? I don't yeah, know. There are, yeah, I wonder if there's, I wonder, yeah, there, there are a few, but I wonder if they're, like, historical ones or they just listen yeah. to the current stuff. I don't know. That'll be a little fascinating once you eventually get onto it. But uh, yeah, yeah, episode thirteen will not be that time when you do that, unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's get let's get into it. Two thousand one in the Tokyo Dome. We're going to have uh, two New Japan shows and one All Japan show here. And uh, the midst of a well, I mean, two thousand was to to put it mildly a very turbulent year. So two thousand one, a lot of like strange things happening, a lot of fallout from two thousand, and a lot of sort of stealing ourselves and sort of transitioning to a very difficult time for for Japanese pro wrestling, Rich. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting year, and it's it's one of the reasons why I wanted to choose this year is because you get a lot of so you have two thousand where obviously you have the Noah break off, you have a bunch of stuff, and and like you said, turbulence is probably the best way to describe it. And then two thousand one, things get kind of weird. Like there's a bunch of just different like everyone's trying to kind of work together because they they've realized that they're all kind of maybe attacking each other a little too much. So they're trying to work together. Things kind of work a little bit. They kind of don't. But you're seeing a lot of like guys being able to go to different places. You're able to see these interesting shows. I mean, some of these matches we're going to talk about are unheard of <laughs> that you would have seen these sort of things, especially even a year earlier like there's no chance in hell you were going to see the main event we're going to talk about in october but by 2001 things had sort of cooled a little bit but cooled to an extent that like people were working together but it still felt you could still feel kind of a tension amongst all these different companies and everybody kind of deciding what they were going to be and what their identities were going to be i think that's one of the prevailing things too we'll get to that a little bit um later in 2001 with with new japan where you see the january show and you see the october show and you could see just from those two how different that company was about to be and how different the company was sort of uh changing and adapting to, to things around them as well so it's a really fascinating year in a lot of ways it's it's not as turbulent as 2000 but it still has a lot of the it's just like this weird year that just almost doesn't seem possible when, when you look at some of the matches and some of the matchups. Yeah, yeah, and that that starts with the the first match we have on the docket here, which is Shinya Hashimoto and and Ryuki Choshu. Um, just a, a weird sort of a weird match and a weird fallout from a, the most probably one of the most bizarre exits of a person in in. in in memory, you know, like Shinya Hashimoto just had it completely fucked up 99 and, and 2000. And uh, then he sort of gets fired and now oh, his, his back to promote this other company he started. You know, it's it's just a very, very strange, strange match in a, a strange series of events for, for one Shinya Hashimoto. Yeah, it was always weird how he was able, and I, I still to this day don't quite understand it. How you could be fired, and then it's like, hey, you know what? Stay on our shows, promote your thing, whatever. Like, I get it. That I don't know. It, it's just always kind of fascinating to see uh, what he's able to do here, in, in in essentially, yeah, being fired and like still being able to work, not you know regularly, but, but you know somewhat consistently in the company. Mm. And they're being like, it, it's just yeah, it's just strange to that, that whole. It's just like it never seems like that would be possible. It feels like if you're just gone, you're gone. But I, it, it was a different time then, and a different culture in, in a lot of ways. So it is cool to see him being able to. To do this and he does feel especially in this match very much like an outsider so they did a good job of sort of presenting him as as as, as the the you know in, in a sense the outsider in, in this match and in in the company but yeah it's a very mm. fascinating match to see and, and and yeah his his 1999 2000 2001 is just very very interesting yeah yeah i mean to sort of do the the quick cliffs notes version of it is the yeah, shinya hashimoto loses his career match to nario Ogawa, uh which kind of puts him puts him out but the idea is it's all right because he'll be back but not as a new japan guy but he's gonna lead a new brand in new japan which was gonna be called like pro wrestling zero which is kind of like this this super indie thing Mm -hmm. and um that had a lot of resistance within new japan to to begin with It, it wasn't a hugely popular idea but as all of this is going on uh, Hashimoto is sort of fully in charge of this brand. He's fully in charge with like booking stuff, and he is sort of getting getting contacts from from all over. And he starts making deals with Pro Wrestling Noah, which is a big, big no no because New Japan was working with All Japan at the time. So, and this was you know in the wake, obviously Noah being being new in two thousand, and the the real problem, I think the. I think the real problem of of why Hashimoto got fired and then why he's on this show, I think it really comes down to Mrs. Barber in the end. 
um because here you you have this this split where where all japan gets completely completely decimated um and that's really down to tensions between makoto baba and and misawa anyway um and then so you you have obviously but arguably justifiably like a lot of bitterness um from makoto baba towards uh anything to do with noah um so you know all japan out of pretty much out of necessity they they have to have new japan uh talent they have to cooperate with new japan they have to break down these these walls uh so that they're able to run shows um yeah, they, they just did not have that look at that roster if you ever want to like really look at a ghastly like look at that post <laughs> no exodus roster it is things are thin until a few guys obviously move over but that initial roster is wow that's there's not much you're not running a full show i mean that's that's essentially mm. it yeah yeah um so yeah so obviously then if you if you have a new japan guy um you know because at the time hashimoto still was going off making deals with with noah that's gonna send the the all japan end mrs baba's end into into an absolute apoplexy um and so that that's really you know this this whole issue where the the pro wrestling zero idea wasn't a hugely you know it wasn't something everybody in new japan was behind in in the first place so it all comes to the head and uh depending on who you believe either hashimoto just leaves um or he gets fired but i think it's it's really down to probably uh mrs baba throwing a fit on there like one of my favorite stories of um how you know how strongly how bitterly uh makoto baba uh, was was feeling um about the whole noah thing goes back again goes back to video games do you remember a playstation 2 game uh rich by the name of king of Colosseum? yes of course yeah so this was like uh the the same studio um at who is it spike spike chinshoff yeah, um, yeah yeah that uh, that now make fire pro wrestling world um back in the day they they you know fire pro wrestling was was still going but they also had like this 3d engine offshoot um that it at the first there was an all japan license game um and then they were making king coliseum which was going to have licenses from everybody you know so it had um yeah it had zero one it had new japan had all japan had noah in there um and they could have the the first edition of king of coliseum came on two discs like you had the the red version king of coliseum and the green version of king of coliseum and the green version had noah in it and the red version had new japan and all japan in it um and this is something that i read some at some point with uh, one of the developers last year uh that they could easily fit everything into one disc and King Coliseum 2 fit onto one disc. Um, but the reason it was on two discs and, and sold as, as two different po- products was that Makoto Baba had like point blank refused to have <laughs> Noah in the video game if all Japan were going to be in the video game. Um, so yeah, <laughs> to, to say the least, like, yeah, not, not exactly plain sailing um, when it came to Noah. And, and that's kind of why um, Hashimoto wound up leaving, went ahead with the Zero idea and, and turned into a Pro Wrestling Zero One and worked like quite closely with, with Noah on the, the first few of those shows to yeah. good effect to some really hot, match- hot matches there. Yeah, those are fun shows too, uh, the early Zero One. And Zero One was fun for, for quite a while and obviously now it's whatever it is now, I guess. It's still, it's, it's 
tangentially still, I guess, still kind of exists, sort of. But no, it was Zero One was a really fun promotion for a lot of years, and that was one that I I really delved into when I first got into Japanese wrestling because there was a lot of really fun cards, and it it felt different from from the other ones. Which obviously that was one of the intentions, but it did feel kind of like an outsider promotion compared to your Noah's, your All Japan's, and and your New Japan's. And I always uh, kind of sought that out, or always kind of got attracted to that that you know kind of the griminess of it in, in some ways. Yeah. So, what do you think of the, of the match itself, um, Rich, between Hashimoto and Choshu, and in particular, like this, this, you know, the the fuck finish where um, you know Fujinami comes in and, and stops the match. You know, he kind of says that, that they're just beating each other up. They're not going for a win. Blah. You know, they, they, this match needs to be stopped. Um, and I'm I'm wondering how you felt about it watching. Like, how do you think this would have been received if they went for the same thing? in 2018 as opposed to 2001. Right, yeah, I think one of the issues that I always have with this, and for people that haven't watched this match, and you definitely should because it's a real fun one, um, these two, for basically 15 minutes, I think they do two wrestling moves to each other, and then otherwise they just chop and kick the fuck out of each other for yeah. the rest of the 15 minutes. And it was, what's the weirdest part about it is I thought, and I don't know if it was a missed time, I don't know what it was, but when Fujinami gets up from the table, it's like the least intense part of the entire match that he decides, oh, this has gotten too ridiculous. I need to get up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like both guys are lying on the mat, and then he's just, it's kind that's of, enough. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of losing steam at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Five minutes earlier, because there's a point, I forget what it is, probably about ten minutes in, where these two are just standing up and just slapping each other and kicking each other and getting the, and, and the ref, I forget who it was on that time, I think it was Tiger, Tori, but I don't remember exactly, is just sitting there like screaming and putting his hands up like, no, 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 you know, come on, come on, because like, these guys are just, for like a minute straight, just slapping and kicking each other. That would have been perfect if he stood up right then, and, and I, I think people probably would have still resisted it, but 15 minutes in, you start to get the slowdown, you start to get like guys hit each other and then they fall down and they rest a little bit, and in this particular one, like, yeah, it had been brutal, but then, like, both guys are lying on the mat, and he just decides, all right, that's it. That's enough of this. And it's just, like, I figured, I think they just found, like, the absolute worst time to possibly do it, where there was so many times in the match, because I knew what the finish was, but I had never seen the actual finish of this before I watched it. So I'm waiting there, I'm like, oh, this is probably it. And then it wasn't. And I was like, all right, this is probably it. Then it wasn't. And they're lying on the mat, and then I see the cut to Fujinami, and I'm like, no, not now. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, even if they had gotten up and and maybe just, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it seemed like to be really poorly timed. And like you said, losing steam. Um, where, you know, 10 minutes prior or even five minutes prior, it was hot and the crowd was going nuts for seeing these two dudes beat the hell out of each other. So, I, again, I don't know if it would have ever been received all that well, uh, you know, stopping a really awesome match. But uh, it just it, it seemed like the timing of it did kind of hurt a little bit. And like you said, in, in, in 2018, you might be able to pull it off a little bit better because of more, you know, issues with with with, with head trauma and injuries and whatnot. But still, perhaps, I think like, yeah. the timing of it was just not good at all. Yeah, yeah, perhaps that, that's a good point. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't really think about it from from a safety standpoint. Um, but you know, can you imagine like the the reaction to the certain corners of like people who you know the the Japan the Japanese wrestling fan groups, you know, the the people who kind of ridicule a lot of like the the modern product for being very Americanized, and yet here is like essentially the the kind of bumbling kind of semi heel authority figure stopping a wrestling match. You know, in the middle here, and and calling it quits because it it's too dangerous. Like just that entire construct, you know, I I think would be absolutely vilified. Um, I, always, I always like when those people say that too, because I like I point to like eighties all Japan or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just nothing but fuck finishes. Like because right. I went back and 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 you know did like a kind of a giant rewatch. Uh, of all Japan, and I love that era because there's a lot of really good guys. But yeah, I mean, you have like five straight years where it's like every match is just yeah, like yeah, yeah. A big, 
and I'm like, yeah, God. It like, was the, it was the AWA influence, wasn't it? Really? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, and Tatsumi Fujinami had like the history. This was kind of part of his character, you know, because he, you know, when he was special referee from the the Agawa matches, like he stopped the match like way too early, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and just again, it it just feels or oh, as as hot as the crowd is for this, it's just so it's like doubly depressing when you think, oh, they're they're going to this again, you know, they they're going. It's still like the the feeding off of like the ninety nine Ogawa Hashimoto incident, you know, that they they're still pulling in for like this is two years on, you know, and that they're, they're still doing it. Um, so yeah, yeah, it I think like. It's it's probably very it exemplifies like a lot of New Japan at the time where it's the the crowd's still really really into it that there's this underlying feeling of oh we're kind of getting like the shit end of the stick here <laughs> you know um, right like they, the entire match they're ready for it to be awesome and they're ready for a great finish and then that comes and it feels like it, it's that weird sort of tension you get a lot of times in in, in a modern WWE when there's like a bad finish and people are just like ah oh, man like because they they kind of i feel like the crowd knows that it could possibly happen but really hopes that it doesn't happen yeah, and then it happens yeah. and they're like oh man like come on and then, and you can hear i mean this is awesome too because the crowd as, as you said chris was was hot the entire match and just exploding at every single thing and then fujinami stands up and you can hear initially the crowd just go oh no and they like they're not sure exactly what he's gonna to do but they know that something shitty is about to happen and then he gets in the ring and and he calls it or whatever he makes the motion of like because he he does sort of make the motion of okay end it end it end it but the match doesn't end right away so the crowd's mm. kind of confused if, if if you notice so initially he stands up the crowd kind of all the air gets sucked out of the crowd and they go oh no here we go again and then he, he's making a motion but it, it seems either the refs or, or nobody really noticed so they do like one or two more moves to each other and then they ring mm. the bell and then the crowd's just like all right now they're like apoplectic and, and pissed <laughs> and then you can hear it uh in the crowds too and i know like obviously i don't i, I don't know japanese but i know reports were like they were saying refund money and and, and stuff like that they were not happy after this man yeah and the the sort of perfect um example of it or just just like you know the the image of of just how it felt like the build-up of tension and then like just kind of the the frustrating lack of release um it came before this match when they were building to it and like Hashimoto had his uh, press conference announcing zero one and Ricky Choshu like storms in and like cuts a promo on him. And it reminds me, it was very, very similar to, uh, do you remember when like Jericho came back and, and like attacked Naito, I think, when was it? Don Taku, right? Mm-hmm. And he bloodies him up and there's like the, the great YouTube video that, that they put up afterwards where he's like storming through backstage, he's like breaking shit, you know, and saying, fuck this, fuck that, fuck Naito, yeah, right, you right, know, right. breaking everything. Like just Rex Sharp walks out the back and then like just gets in a taxi. <laughs> And drives off do you know what i mean and like so the the choshu hashimoto thing is it's just like that like hashimoto is doing this press conference and it's like choshu bursts in and you know it's very sort of japanese you know fronting like fight talk where it's like yelling and like grunting and not really saying anything right and um you know i, said, I mentioned this in the book but like in japanese wrestling circles it's called like the kora kora dialogue because like that's really all they say it's like oi, kora, oi, kora, omai, kora. <laughs> どうしようだこら。何がこらじゃこらバカ野郎。何がこら
お前も言ったんだもんねあら振ったなてめえだろだこら何これ言ったのやろだこらお前お前知りてたろこの野郎今言ったなこら言ったぞ入った言葉飲み込むなよお前そのままじゃこらよいなめてんだよこの野郎よいしょ分かった And like, so like this goes on for like a few seconds, then like Choshu like storms off and like just gets in a fucking taxi, you know? Like, they're just like, oh, I fuck this, oh, I fuck you, I'm your motherfucker. And it's like, yes, Tokyo Hotel, please, sir.、Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You imagine the cab drive, yeah. It'd be more fun today in the, the, the Uber era. Uh, Kensuke Sasaki and Toshiaki Kawada, number two、uh, for the vacant IWGP title. And、um, yeah, I, I'm rewatching it again. I, I do really, really like this match. It's not as good as the October 2000 match, no, I think. No, no, yeah. definitely not. But、uh, a good deal, you know, I mean, certainly intense, like a hugely intense and, and short match, really, really high paced.、Um, You know, obviously,、uh, very, very stiff, very, very hard hitting, but they, they don't fuck around. They go right to it, right? Yeah, that's what I liked about it. Is, is, and this is kind of a good thing about this era and why I'm, I'm in, in some ways attracted to like, the main events of, of this era of New Japan. And, and, and I still to this day you know, put them over as, as, as being a little bit different because you know, you, the, the matches could be. Seven minutes. They could be eight minutes, and you weren't quite sure when. Because nowadays, and, and, I, and obviously I, I love New Japan, you know, <laughs> main roster stuff now, and, but now you like sit down and you know, okay, I'm getting an epic here. I'm not getting, you know, in eight minutes somehow Naito hits a Destino and pins like, against someone. Like, it's not going to happen. Like in five minutes, he's not going to surprise the world and, and do that. I mean, there was Hiromu that, that、uh, about a year or so ago when he pinned Kushida, you know, in like 28 seconds or whatever that was. And that was、mm. such a surprise to everybody and a shock to the system because they just don't do that sort of stuff anymore, for better or for worse. Like, you know, it, you can, you know, I, I enjoy both aspects of it, but yeah, I I really enjoyed how this match, like you just know, like the bell rings and it's just, it's no, it's just no nonsense. These dudes are just going at it, trying to win this. And, and it plays up too because the, if you watch a lot of the tournament matches in the lead up, particularly Sasaki, he was grinding to get through his matches. Like even his opening round one,、um, he, he's just like, you know, just trying to get through these. And, and these other ones are, are taking a while. And I think he understands, and at least I guess the, the idea was that he doesn't have time to like fuck around here because he's, you know, he's exhausted. He's just wrestled, you know, three matches in this one night or whatever. So they just go to town right away and just say, Hey, you know what? Look, look, let's just get this thing over as quick as possible. And, and, and Sasaki definitely seems like because he's just throwing bombs from the get go and doing whatever he can to get that win. And, and Kawada looked great in this match, too. But I thought Sasaki、uh, was definitely on another level. And he's a guy who, who sometimes I really like his stuff and sometimes I'm kind of hit or miss. This one I really, really liked. But no, I agree that the, the, the prior match that they had in, um, in uh, October was, was definitely a little bit better. But、uh, this one was still very, very fun. Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of little like, character points, whether this was deliberate cuteness, whether they were precious about it or, or not, I don't know. But like, Sasaki, like, it's always interesting to watch Sasaki through the lens of Ricky Choshu, right? And so, like, there was、um, one of the matches we talked about、um, when me and Kim were looking at、uh, 2008 was、um, when Sasaki loses the IWGP title to Fujinami. It's like mainly because Sasaki is hung up with trying to be Ricky Choshu, you know, and like he's reliant on doing the, the Scorpion Deathlock, and like Fujinami like escapes out of that. 
and and that's what kind of directly leads to the finish and um it's interesting there's a bit here where sort of Sasaki like having been the champion and then relinquished the title because he lost to Kawada in a in a non-title match like there's a bit here where Sasaki counters something from Kawada gets a double leg and he doesn't do the scorpion death lock he does a Boston crab instead right mm-hmm. like oh, he's yeah, yeah. putting himself like in the position of a, a trainee a student a young lion again um rather than uh, going to uh to the ricky choshu moveset and then he does hit the cho- uh the choshu lariat um and into the northern lights bomb for for the win um you know i kind of think that was uh deliberate or not that, that was a nice little bit of, of character stuff in there yeah there's a lot of fun stuff as well and i'm, I'm sure you're gonna talk about it and i know you touch on it in the book too of um in terms of sasaki and and the journey that he had from basically that october match uh to this title tournament and, and all the stuff that sort of played into that too which made it even more fun to see him, you know, win this tournament, which I think everybody at the time kind of assumed he was. I was reading like observers and old reports, and everybody kind of thought that Sasaki was going to win this, and and maybe that hurts the heat in some of the other tournament matches, but it didn't hurt the heat in this match. I mean, the crowd was definitely just like, even if we think that Sasaki's going to win this, we don't care because it'll be pretty awesome, and it's been a fun little journey for him from October until today. Yeah, do you think it could have gone further? Um, yeah, maybe, because yeah, it does seem like a, a story that would have been a little bit better had it lasted like a year, but I think again, like we talk about turmoil, you know. <laughs> there's like it's easy for me to say yeah wait a year or whatever like we say that with you know modern new japan too it's like yeah why don't you wait for this or wait for that but like hell if it was my money i don't know if i'd like be like yeah yeah wait a year so i, I get it but yeah october to january doesn't seem like too long of a time but i don't know it, it's hard for me to say you know ask her around and do it you know the next tokyo dome or do it later in the year and in the next october when they were going back but yeah th- there's definitely a, an argument to be made that it maybe was a little too quick because i mean like part of it as well is that they didn't have until october till they went back they had like less than four weeks you know there was this right, turnaround right, right. from january 4th to january 28th you know and this transitions us into like the the all japan show here which was like the the barber kind of a, a barber memorial show was was really what it was about because this was three years after he died um and it was also like built around stan hansen retiring um but god what a terrible sort of political mishmash this was that eventually led to just such a compromised shitty main event you know yeah yeah the um, observer this month is, is pretty cool because here's, here's what dave said at the time so he says so of course kawada lost this match and, and i thought this is an interesting sort of um uh you know reference here so he says of course there, there, we'll talk about the main event here in a second but he says kawada after the loss saying he did not feel like challenging for the triple crown any longer a kawada tournament win could have made the show a big deal as the winner would have become the first man to hold both major titles in japanese wrestling history it was something that had been talked about at one point and teased in the press uh, they'll push the idea that this is the first time the triple crown champion iwgb champion will be opposing each other in a tag match which is not yeah. as fun at all <laughs> yeah um so i mean there's this kawada winning would have provided a, a hell of a lot more um in in terms of options and, and it was something that was uh the the plan you know from from what i've heard it was certainly a plan at one point um because you know i mean all japan Again, as we were talking about, as lots of marriages of, of convenience with, was with New Japan and was with the returning Genichiro Tenhu, which was a real sort of prodigal son moment, you know, with everything that existed between Tenhu and, and the Barbers. But, um, you know, Tenhu wound up winning a tournament to, for the vacated Triple Crown uh, belt. So the Kawada winning would have given you you know a lot of lot of interesting options in terms of having a, a double title match like you could have had like a kawada tenryu in a singles match which would have been a, a, a really big deal 
Or you could have had Kawada win that IWGP tournament and then done the Kawada Sasaki rematch in All Japan instead. Um, but yeah, the, you eventually got this half-hearted tag team match of yeah. uh, Tenu and Hase against um, Kawada and Sasaki. And like, and the, the, the interviews before, before building up to this show, like Kawada and Sasaki really didn't know why they were teaming together you know, there, there was no real purpose to it. You know, they they, they weren't going to sort of create motivations for themselves. They were just like, I don't know why we're doing this, but we'll do our best, I guess, you know. And just, you know, talking about this just unsatisfying blow-offs to things, this was just such a flat way to end the Sasaki and Kawada saga, you know. Um, just, okay, you're, you're teaming in this, this Tokyo Dome show that... Um, really it felt top to top to bottom this this feels like a, a really kind of lame nostalgia show that that nobody really cared for right yeah it, it's an odd show too you read it on the paper and you think oh wow that's like you know especially this main event you look at that and go holy shit that's awesome but then like in a vacuum yes that is it's it's a bunch of cool guys in a match but then you realize what other stuff could have happened with all pretty much everybody else in this match involved in in something else and it would have been better but yeah it just felt like in, in a lot of ways uh, a thrown together tag match that just did not have i mean any scenario of sasaki versus tenru uh kawada versus i mean there's there so many different ways that you could go about this and they almost found a way to pick the worst possible one and the match itself is fine it's okay but but it's just like it's disappointing knowing what could have been and, and what was yeah. teased and what what may have been the actual match. And then what we ended up getting was was fine. But, you know, it's it seems <laughs> largely in 2001 a waste of, of, of pretty much all four of these guys. And and I say at this point, you know, it, it started slowing down a little bit, but especially Sasaki, Kawada and Tenru, I mean any scenario of those three in anything would have been better than than what we got unfortunately yeah i think as well like if you were putting yourself into an all japan fan's shoes into a diehard all japan fan if they you know that was still around and still following the product at this point um kawada and tenru has a lot more value there right because you had sure. like oh, yeah. the the guy that had that had left in 1990 versus you know one of the guys that was carrying the the banner in his place right um and yet you know when you had this this tag match it was really kind of about it became about sasaki you know because sasaki and hase had like that long history and sasaki and tenru had been like working through 99 and 2000 together you know so that that became the most recent sort of connection to to the fans who are like oh this is to an all japan to an all japan loyalist it's like oh this is like a, a new japan tag really you know yeah it, it's yeah and, and one of the rumors too was it, it was going to be kawada and tenru teaming to face sasaki and choshu right and that that was floated at one point as well yeah yeah, that would have been pretty good too. But I guess, yeah. again, still, that's not like ideal, but it, it's not bad. And that's nothing against Hase. I mean, I, I like Hiroshi Hase a lot, but he just kind of feels like a tag along for the most part in this match. And that's, it's no, nothing against him, but yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. There was just so many other better scenarios than what we got. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, there, there was, you chose a one more match from this card, which was a good deal bloodier, another nostalgia tag. Yes, it was Onita and Terry Funk versus Abdullah and the Great Kamala. That uh, <laughs> it was pretty good. More so, I, I love the uh, the end of it. I think that's. I mean, the match itself is is, is what it is. You know, it's eight minutes, and you, I just I just listed the name, so I think you could probably safely assume uh, what the match was kind of like. But uh, one thing that was awesome is afterwards, and you can find this promo on uh, YouTube, I believe, if you look up Onita mm. Terry Funk. Um, I think you just look up Tokyo Dome 2001 or All Japan Tokyo Dome uh, 2001. It's pretty good. So just kind of the context of this, you know. 
Terry Funk had not been, you know, it had been almost 10 years, I think, since the last time he was in All Japan. So it had been quite a while. And Onita, of course, I mean, if you follow his thing, it had been almost you know, nearly 20 years, I think about 17 years since he yeah. had last been in All Japan. And obviously he's uh, he was much different <laughs> before. Yeah, he was right. a, just a normal, clean cut, you know, up and comer. And then he comes back as what we know as Onita, the smoking, sexing, uh, <laughs> you know, ass kicker that he was. But that uh, was pretty cool, too, because uh, so Funk then says, you know, All Japan is the best ro- wrestling organization in the world and always will be. Um, and then, yeah, they, they just start screaming <laughs> about stuff for a while. And then Onita is talking about a bunch of stuff. And he says, I took a different road, uh, but so did Hanson. That's human. But we came back and that's what matters. Um, and then, yeah, it's just really fun. I mean, the promo afterwards are just a bloody mess and they're just screaming. And, and it's, you know, Terry Funk does his usual, you know, not not it's not quite as good as the forever promo but he's he's quite there and then he's just screaming and it's, it's pretty awesome to see that this crowd um is 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 really enjoying it too and like you said it's kind of this nostalgia show where these two dudes who have not been around for forever and it's been so long and it's all japan is such a different company now to have these guys back here it, it seemed pretty cool and then putting over all japan in what was probably the roughest period you know and, and yeah. yeah versus you know now I, I think well now they're out of it you know in 2018 but the roughest period they would have until you know 2015 to 2017 ish or so because it's just like they need they really need Terry Funk to come say, hey, this is the greatest wrestling organization mm. in the world. Because yeah, and, and then not work right for them, <laughs> you know, like, as well, like, you know, and, and like Anita, they, yeah, they, they, Anita starts off this, this promo by, by uh, what he say? This is We House. Is we house, um, <laughs> and then then and then like, back until like until the yeah, he didn't. He never fucking came back, and they they go through. I think like I don't know whether they cut in and out of this promo, whether it's just during this match because like it's a, a little bit lighter in the, in the building, but like you get like these wide shots, and it's so sad. You know, it's like all the upper deck is empty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most like even the floor seats, like half the floor seats are empty. You know. Um, and it's a, it's a really, really sparse crowd here, you know, um, that, uh, yeah, in general wasn't treated to a, a particularly good show, you know, at all. It, it was kind of sad, but there you go. Um, what was good, or at least like it was a really good main event in October of 2001 for, for New Japan. Um and God, and what do we have? Is it me? Was there like a cool name for this show? Yeah, it was Indicative uh, Next, right? There you go, Indicative Next. Yeah, indicate, not as yeah. good as like one year before and and Do Judge. Do Judge is great. Do Judge with two Do exclamation judge. points. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not one, yeah. not three, two. <laughs> Do Judge. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it all gets kind of descriptive you know i think like indicative next is is a reasonably uh apt description of, of what we saw on this show you know with the, like the the creeping uh strains of inokism you know the, mm-hmm. the sort of ma feeling of the of a lot of this show um yeah and then like in 2002 we had the spiral which was 
an incredibly descriptive apt uh, title <laughs> for, for a wrestling show, like headlined by Bob Sapp, you know. Yeah, um, oh yeah, and this one really stands out for, uh, you mentioned the main events, which I, I'm sure we'll get to, but the match that really stood out for me and, and, and felt very much, like I said, where, where in January it felt like there was this one New Japan, and then by October it's like, holy shit, this is a completely different company now, is the, the Kendo Kashin match, where he mm. uh, defeats Naruse in, in, in 26 seconds or whatever, and based off of you know his, his win in Pride, which I went back and I, I, I watched the I, I tried to find the pride. It took me forever to find the actual match to try to see kind of because it, it was hard for me to believe that he would actually like win <laughs> an MMA mm. fight because you know I, I saw his one MMA fight he had with uh, with with uh, Ryan Gracie or Ian Gracie, sorry, and, and and he just like Ryan Gracie just like destroys him, and I was like, okay, how did he come back and win this? And then I watch, and it's like you know, he, have you ever seen that match? The, the no, no, I haven't, won? I haven't okay, so essentially what happens is Ryan Gracie basically realizes that this guy's kind of a joke, so he stays on his back and just like kicks at him for like a minute and a half. While Ken Okashin, like slowly tries to get at him and, and, and kick him. And then eventually, Hyan seems like he tries to jump on and get him in like a cross arm breaker. When he does one time, I think he jumps and I forget, I couldn't find the injury, but he pulls a muscle in his hip or his leg and just immediately collapses to the ground. And the ref then finds out that he can't do anything and then de- and then calls it off and gives the win to Kashin. And I'm like, this is the guy that you're going to decide. You know what we need to do? It's like, these, this guy's a real shooter. Like, he was not yeah. winning the match at all. Like, High and Gracie was destroying him and then pulls a muscle in his hip. And they're like, well, Ken Okashin's the man. Like, there we go. Yeah. Let's yeah. go with it. I was like, this is not the match to then say, oh, this is our guy. Like, if I was hoping that Ken Okashin, like, got it. You know, if he gets a rogue punch in there and knocks him out that way, it's like, all right, cool. Like, yeah. then maybe you can tell the story. But, like, he won by, like, the other guy getting hurt by doing too much. Like, he that's was, how he, he was Homer Simpson in that boxing episode. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of just didn't die and then Hyang Gracie just kept <laughs> jumping around like a maniac trying to fuck around with this guy and then eventually falls, collapses and loses. I'm like, yeah. no, this is not the guy to then have go and win but there's a lot of weird circumstances around this 26 minute match as well versus uh, mostly the, the, the pre and post because he comes out, Ken Okashin comes out without his mask like he was yep. in Pride or whatever so he comes out as, I have no idea how to pronounce his actual name uh, I- 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 Ishizawa or whatever, I, I forget, uh, Tokumitsu mm-hmm. Ishizawa so he comes out without his mask and, and the crowd immediately gasps, like oh my god, Ken Okashin doesn't have his mask on, he looks like he looks like a pretty normal guy I think I, he actually looks more badass without his mask, he should probably do that more, but uh, anyway he comes out and you know, Naruse gets a few moves on him, and then Ken Okashin puts him in a cross-arm breaker and just taps him out immediately. And then they give him the title. They give him an award. He throws the title on the ground. He he rips up the award, because this was for the IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight title, I should say. He, you know, rips. There's like a, They give him a plaque or something like that. He, like, takes a plaque out and starts ripping the piece of paper and throws that to the ground or whatever. And the crowd's, like, gasping, like, oh, my God, he's, he's showing great disrespect to this thing. But then they cut to the back, and he has his mask back on. And they're, like, about to present him the title. And he just, like, grabs the title and acts like nothing happened. Like, Kendo Kashin is appreciative mm. of the title, but yeah. <laughs> Ichizawa is not appreciative. And I just had no idea what was going on. And, yeah. and I realized so, I probably didn't want to know what was going on. Yeah, the, thus began, like, the... Well, not really began, but, like, yeah, the 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 story of the schizophrenic MMA man, Kendo Kashin. Yeah. Um, and the kind of, like, yeah, the comedy guy, Kendo Kashin, as, as he kind of became over the next few years um but uh, yeah what, what do you think of, of kendo of old kendo kashi in, in in general he doesn't have a lot of fans um you know but some people think he's, he's kind of underrated um where, where do you stand on yeah on kendo? I'm, kinda, I'm not as down as some people are on him i think he's fine he's okay but i've never really enjoyed all that much about him this is probably the most i enjoyed him in 26 seconds because you yeah. know it's like it's pretty, <laughs> you know it's pretty good he's, he's good in small doses but uh yeah no, there are some people that were we when we maybe our first few years we had done our podcast voices of wrestling there was this one person on twitter I, I forget the name but he was like 
died in the wool Kendall Caution guy. And like if we would say something like he would never reply to us, but I guess he would listen every week. But if we ever, even for a second, made fun of Kendall Caution or were like, ah, I'm not, you know, I didn't really like Kendall Caution or like this, he would like get at like it would be a tweet stream of like fifteen tweets about how dumb we were and how we just don't understand and how he's a real shooter and he'd beat up, you know, half the roster or whatever of like Eddie. It was just very bizarre at that time. And this is like 2014. I haven't heard from that person in in quite a while. But I, I don't know. He's he's fine. Unfortunately my first um Exposure to Kendo Kashin was his uh, Dragon Soldier B in, in Ring of Honor, which is not a great way to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's it's all been sort of trying to build up back from that. But there's been some times where I enjoy his stuff. And I enjoy his shtick uh, to, to some extent, particularly in this era of New Japan. I enjoyed this. I think later when he went to, to, to All Japan and did some stuff after that, I stopped really enjoying him. And now, you know, when I see him, it, it's kind of crappy. But um, this era of Kendo Kashin is pretty solid because there's a match at the, uh, the the January Tokyo Dome that it's against Azuka, I believe. That's actually pretty fun. And he's kind of just being a dick the entire time. And he, he, he he was obviously very good at being a dick. That is mm. certainly Ken Okashin. The role, the role he was meant to play was being a, a total asshole, which is is perfect for him. But yeah, it. Uh, I'm hit or miss on him. I I'm not as down as some people, but I'm I'm not as up as as others. He's he's fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, so to go on to our main event of that October show, perhaps like the best of these matches for last, perhaps as. Uh, Keiji Muto teams with uh, Hase again, his second Tokyo two Tokyo Dome main <laughs> events well. in one year. Pretty pretty good for someone, yeah, at this stage of his career. Um, against Yuji Nagata and Jun Akiyama. It's like New Japan and Noah and All Japan all on the same page uh, for one match, which was something, yeah, as as you said, Rich, even ten months prior would have been impossible <laughs> to, to happen and yet here's here's this happening so it, like that's how just unstable how quickly changing everything everything was everything was in in 2001 yeah, this match rocks too. This one feels very much like a uh, you know an old like maybe a mid '90s All Japan match. I mean, it's worked definitely to that extent. It's not worked as your you know we we talk about or I talked a little bit earlier about your New Japan main events would sometimes just be you know your your Shinya Hashimoto's your Sasaki matches it might be over in eight minutes. It might be over nine minutes. It's this one is very much just like guys you know selling on the on the on the mat after like a big series of ma- of moves like a bunch of guys just hitting moves moves out of nowhere that you don't even see. Like there's a great sequence where um, Keiji Muto jumps onto uh, Hase's back to hit the shining wizard on i believe it was on nagata and nagata and akiyama mm. i thought those two guys in this match in particular and, and akiyama is a guy that i've always loved obviously from the moment he started wrestling like, literally the first match he had and to this day he's he's fucking rocked and every match he's had has been pretty solid and, and nagata who i really enjoy in this era as well i know there's some people that, that aren't as big on nagata mostly like in the later years of of, of this like the 2003 to or 2002 to you know the mid 2000s are, are kind of down on him but i really liked him at this point too and i thought those two dudes looked like looked awesome and and, and that's not to say the Hase and, and Mudo didn't, but you could tell that they were kind of the old hats, the, the, the Hase and Mudo, especially Mudo, who was moving around kind of gingerly here. And I know he was selling his knee, but I think some of that, it was half sell and half, ow, oh, my knee actually hurts. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think, because <laughs> he's definitely walking with a limp that's well beyond the selling uh, of a KG Mudo. And we knew that. I mean, he basically wrestled with no knees for like, you know, next to, until mm. shit the, earlier this year or whatever, you know. Mm. But uh, Akiyama and Nagata, you see those dudes just flying around. You see how great those guys were. And Nagata's hitting the stiff chops, and, and Akiyama's just next level good in this match, too. So I really, really like this one. And it's awesome. I mean, if you love those classic, you know, whoever you want to add in those early to mid '90s All Japan matches with your your, your Masawas and your Kobashis and your Taways and and sometimes your Akiyamas or whatever, it feels very much like one of those matches where just guys always back and forth, and you're not really quite sure who's got the momentum at any given moment because it just swings on on on, a, on one move or whatever. And uh, Mudo looked uh, there was a real fun spot too where he hits a um, 
a moonsault on Akiyama, and this was this was not the actual finish. He eventually did hit a moonsault to 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 win, but uh, he hits the moonsault on Akiyama and lands like right on his nuts, like just knees him right in the nuts, and I felt horrible. You could see Akiyama's face, just like God ah, damn it. It's like because <laughs> Muto was the, the moonsault wasn't uh, wasn't looking great on this night. He was definitely uh, hurting a little bit, so he didn't really get much air and just yeah immediately just throws his nuts right or his knees right into uh, Akiyama's nuts, which kind of sucked, but uh, it added to it a little bit. But uh, no, this is a really really fun match. If you get a chance to watch it, you actually should. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like Hase is a little bit uh, underrated in mm-hmm. in this match. I think Hase is always like under you know Hase is probably my favorite uh, you know my favorite wrestler to never be IWGP champion you know in in New Japan and like you see like this even um, you know as he's getting up in in years and and not really wrestling all that all that much you know it, even though he was he was in like uh b-a-t-t at this point but like um yeah that that sequence you were talking about with the anti-gui the off of hasei's back which like is great because like hasei sort of it it just everything sort of pieces itself everything connects together so smoothly like mm-hmm. you have like the hasei ducks the the um Enzigiri from nagata so like he's down on all fours and then like muto springs up uh, gets that shining wizard, then Jun comes in with a, with a, a sort of shining uh, kinker kick to to Muto, and then Hase like finishes that with just like a sick Urinage, like um you know really sort of folds uh, Akiyama oh, up. Dude, is, that, yeah. Oh yeah, that Urinage, you got I, I rewound that like seven times because it is brutal. I mean, it's gr- brutal in a good way, but yeah, it, it, that that move, you, yeah, you'll know it when you see it if you watch this match. You'll 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 jump out of your chair when you see that one. Yeah, and I, and I think like Hase like provides a a good core to this match because you have like the the story where Hase has has prize with with both guys. So like Hase, you know, the the announcers talk about how how closely Hase worked with Nagata before Nagata debuted. Like so that that was like ten years before, mm-hmm. and and Hase was was working hard in the dojo to to help prepare Nagata for for his debut. Um, and then you have the the history with Hase and Akiyama as well, because like Hase was like Akiyama's senior in in university, and they were in the same amateur wrestling club. So that was kind of part. I think like in the early going, they were they were sort of playing a little bit with Hase and Akiyama off of their like match in '98 in the dome, um, where a lot of that match was kind of even Steven like mat work between the two of them, and and kind of very slow paced. And here everything starts a, a little bit quicker, and like you have this thing of like. Akiyama, like Hase is bridging Akiyama, and then like he does that that thing where you sort of hop on top and try and and come down and 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 get into a cover like by breaking the bridge, and like Akiyama Akiyama's bridge won't collapse. Like Akiyama is like too strong for him, like yeah. at that point, and then just uh, you know does a, a little flip, not quite in Northern Lights, but like you know does the bridging suplex to to get rid of Hase there, and that's like a, a nice little moment. And I think like it is a, a nod to the match that they had had prior. It's a nice little uh, callback that you get there. Um, so I think Hase, you know. He he really adds adds a core to this match, and I always think like the the giant swing is it's crazy how Hase can do a giant swing in a serious match, you know, because like yeah. the giant oh, swing yeah. is so ridiculous, that, you know. Um, 
yeah what like 21 reps in this one too it like lasts forever and it's awesome but yeah it's like it's got the most heat it, it, you know you would think that like yeah like you said it would be like ridiculed and like oh my god i can't believe he's doing it but he somehow he makes way because he's such a badass i think the mustache definitely helps too but he's such a badass that <laughs> he could do a giant swing in the middle of the ring of an intense like you know match where people are just throwing bombs and people love it i mean people enjoy the hell out of yeah. it yeah and for, I, i'm looking i'm those. i'm really looking forward to doing the the 2003 show so we can talk about wrestle one but like when hasse did the giant swing in in wrestle one like there would be the the, the big screens would would show the count to get everybody <laughs> to get like, that's awesome yeah yeah fantastic ahead of its time was was wrestle one um well yeah perhaps just certainly not of its time anyway <laughs> <laughs> not of its time but ahead of its time yeah yeah, yeah. and then like the the finish as well like has he being like a, a big part of that finish like where nakata gets in the the big drop the you know the the big backdrop and you you kind of think that's that's it but has kicks out of that you know and you, you had like that huge roar for that false finish and then you know, as as is often the case, you know, and and very kind of a, a typical all Japan, uh, kind of an all Japan-y finish, where it's like that. You know, you get like that big reaction for like the the kick out of one huge move, and it was like ah, and then like moments later you get it again, and this time right, that, that's right, enough right. to do it. And that's yeah. that's that was one of the big factors. I mean, one of the many factors that made this match feel very much like an all Japan match, which is interesting because you, you wouldn't, you know, it, it yeah, it, it, in large ways, you know, you have. But no one's like of that classic other than Akiyama. Everyone else is pretty much of different sort of eras and different things. But to have them all come together and have one of those sort of style of matches is, is pretty unique and, and remarkable, especially on a show like we said that was sort of you were getting a lot of the Enochism stuff sort of up and down the show. But this one seemed to be kind of a little bit more of a throwback, but not a throwback to New Japan in the, in the mid 90s, but all Japan in the mid 90s. And that's what we say. Like it's just a weird time of like where people are moving around. And yeah, the idea that a New Japan, all Japan, and Noah guys would all be in the same match i mean unheard of t- 10 months ago you know i mean six months ago it, unheard of so to have it all kind of come together like it did uh, it was definitely pretty cool and, and to see them have just a great great type of a, a match as well i mean this is one that i had never seen before and i don't know why because when it was done i was like shit i really should watch this match like years <laughs> ago i can't believe i waited this long to watch it and just been sitting there in that new japan world for forever and i just for whatever reason never checked it out but uh, yeah i definitely regretted that after watching it yeah um so yeah th- those were our three shows uh for this episode um for me personally i kind of think you know th- out of all the matches we-, we looked at definitely that that tag match was my favorite but i think like probably the best show top to bottom was like the january 4th 2001 show uh you know because you did have that that sort of show long tournament that, mm-hmm. that tied everything together you know it-, it felt a more complete show in general and like you had a, a lot of you know it was a very very hot crowd for that um you know despite the fact that the, the, I mean the main event. You know, it's, it sounds like I'm really down on the main event. I really, really liked that that Saki Kawada main event. Um, but uh, yeah, just just wasn't quite as good as their, their 2000 match. And uh, yeah, certainly the the tag match to close out the year was was my favorite. Um, yeah, what what do you think was the, was the best show out of these three? The, when you were doing your rewatches? Yeah, I think definitely the the January 4th show. And I went back and rewatched all the all of the tournament matches. I, I skipped a few of the tag matches in the show, but I just basically wanted to watch the entire tournament to kind of see the build up towards the final and, and and i really love the sasaki kojima match that i think opens the entire show and that one is awesome too like people kind of know that sasaki's going to win but there are times where they kind of convince themselves that kojima's going to win and it's it's awesome to see Kinjo, uh, kojima at this time as well he's got his like baby fat still on him he's kind of like you know now he's in like great shape but here you're like ah, he's kind of chubby but you know even though he's like you know 15 years younger or whatever but no that's really good and then uh, tenzan nagata is, is a lot of fun as well so those are the first round matches and and those go long i mean those go like you know mm. nearly 16 minutes or a little over 16 minutes if i remember correctly so 
those really you're kind of like oh man this is gonna be a long tournament and then progressively the matches get shorter and shorter which i guess makes sense you know guys start to get tired and and things because then you have the semifinal uh, sasaki and chono which is pretty solid as well sasaki um really stands out in that one and that one's you know about 11 minutes then you have kawada defeating tenzan one in a really good match that one's definitely fun to check out and then you have the main event which is yeah like you know we're sort of semi down on it only because we saw these two have a better match you know before we saw them have a better match but this one as the tournament final definitely works and you could tell that it's in line with what the crowd wanted the crowd was happy excited during the match and then ecstatic when it was over and Sasaki had won they felt like that was the story that they wanted which is is great because in the prior match they got the exact opposite of what they wanted right. so it was nice to, to be able to bring them back and, and and say okay here we know what you want now so we're going to do something positive here but uh, yeah that show itself was was good and yeah the best match I think is undeniably that that uh, the October uh, main event with the Akiyama Nagata and Hasein Muto I mean that is a really really stellar match and uh but you definitely should check out the Kendo Kasha and Nurusi match because it's you know it's twenty six seconds, so <laughs> it it's not that easy to find though. It's a little trickier to find. I thought it, it's I yeah. I never found it online, and I wound up having to buy a DVD of this event so I can so I could see that match. Oh god, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> there, there's I a few it? like that. I found it's it on a, a real grimy site. Like I definitely had to like block a lot of ads, but I, I got it eventually. So. You got it eventually. Awesome. Um, all right. So, yes, if you want to read more about what was happening uh, in these promotions in 2001, you can get Eggshells right now. Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome um, from Amazon, probably, or other places where books are sold or pirated, I guess. Um, but, Rich, uh, this, is, this is your time here uh, to plug what you have got going on. But bear in mind that this episode will be available to indiegogo backers first and the general public won't hear it until maybe the end of september i don't know maybe even that's being but like a while from now at any rate um we'll be previewing uh survivor series right now uh no i mean definitely uh we're ongoing coverage going on at voices of wrestling.com uh also the voice of wrestling podcast network a lot of great stuff on there we have basically our ideas anytime we have a new podcast that that you know we because we we had a bunch of shows all the time and every time we do one we always say that they want we want them to be different we want them to be a unique podcast so we have a dragon gate specific podcast we have one that just covers new japan the super j cast uh we have one that just covers british wrestling and the british round table so we have a bunch of different stuff uh, in, in terms of on that network we have wrestling omakase uh, hosted by John Carroll, and that's a, a great show as well, just kind of covering overall topics in wrestling. There's also the Voice Wrestling flagship. There's Shake Them Ropes that does WWE. So we have a bunch of stuff. So just look up Voices of Wrestling uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network feed because you get all the stuff on there. Uh, as I mentioned, VoiceWrestling.com, we have reviews, previews, columns all the time going up. So a lot of good stuff going on there. VoiceWrestling.com slash forums. That's our uh, great web forum uh, it's for good wrestling discussion. Very similar to the Post Wrestling Forum as well, I'd say, in a lot of ways, is, is intelligent wrestling discussion, which is great. Sometimes it's it's not easy, especially in 2018, uh, to find intelligent, engaging, and not you know people attacking one another and stuff. So I think we, we do a pretty good job uh, at voicewrestling.com/forums. And then last but not least, uh, we also have a Patreon as well uh, for the Voice Wrestling flagship. So Joe and I uh, we do uh, a, a special Patreon thing at patreon.com/voicesofwrestling. Uh, we have two dollar tier and a five dollar tier, so very affordable tiers. The two dollar tier opens you up to the overrun, which is essentially when we run out of time on the main podcast, the, the main Voice Wrestling flagship podcast. We'll do stuff on the 
overrun. So that will be we run out of time to get to all the topics we want to get to. And we used to have a limit of three hours uh, on our host and, and we still do. And that's why now we move things over there. So we'll put an extra hour up uh, at least once a month. We, we do that. And, and sometimes multiple times in a month. Uh, and then the $5 tier opens you up to basically everything else that we do. Um, Q and A's, um, instant reactions, like immediately following a show. If we're both around, we'll get there on the instant reaction. Uh, this G1 season, we did uh, audio reviews of everything, and we're going to continue doing that, of course, moving forward. And, and anytime there's like a big tournament, we're going to probably try to do those uh, daily audio reviews. Uh, as I said, Q&As, we have a really great segment, too, called Joe and Rich Recommend Matches to Each Other, where uh, <laughs> it's basically a very easy name to figure out. But, yeah, we, uh, we essentially... We have people, you know, give us matches, or, or Joe and I will give each other matches as well, and then we kind of review them. So we take historical looks at, at, at different matches and and review them and stuff. So a lot of fun stuff there, uh, exclusive wrestler interviews and stuff, but a lot of stuff going on, on that five dollar tier. Uh, but the five dollar and the two dollar tier uh, both give you great stuff, and that's at Patreon.com/slash/Voices of Wrestling. So we appreciate any support we get there. But uh, yeah, and last but not least, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Voices Wrestling. But hopefully by September we delete our Twitter. Nobody uses Twitter anymore, so <laughs> I can finally get away. I'm hoping that. Uh, by the time you listen to this, Twitter has been exploded and, and no one will ever remember that it ever existed. But uh, in case uh, yeah. it's still around, and yeah. was wrestling on Twitter. <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it? It's like, it sucks. Yeah, it, 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 it sucks, isn't it? Like, it, it's like, our Twitter is, is a terrible thing and yet it's also something that like the core of your audience is on and like no, the thing that, that eats up most of your time at the same time, you know, and it's it's also yeah, a, a deep thing of, of knowing that Amazon's terrible, but like I'm also selling books through Amazon. So like, <laughs> you, you gotta, yeah, and it's unfortunately yeah. 2018, you gotta stare into the, the belly yeah. of the beast a lot of times, but right. uh, you know, thank you for having me on here and, and eggshells. If anybody that, you know, obviously the general public that's listened to this and that hasn't gotten it, I mean, it's an incredible book and, and Lion's Pride is awesome too, if you've never read that. So I'm, it's an honor to, to be on the show and and uh, yeah i really enjoyed eggshells and i enjoyed lion's pride and i can't wait to see uh what's next if you ever are nuts enough to do another book so <laughs> we'll see <laughs> we'll see you're, i mean you're nuts enough to put together a book every year so that's true oh yeah, yeah i should mention that yeah we do the uh, new japan year in review uh ebook as well and that's uh, that'll be available uh january uh, right before the uh wrestle kingdom show we have that together and that is an awesome book we do profiles of every single wrestler in new japan uh, all of our show reviews that we had throughout the year and the columns and statistics and all this sort of stuff but it's basically a year in review uh ebook and, and that's available you can name your own price as well for that so if you want to download it for free that's fine or you can you purchase it for whatever price you want to name and we also have it on amazon too because you, you know got to do business with amazon unfortunately even though it's awful but uh yeah it's uh definitely check that out uh, coming in uh, january we'll have that up there so yeah thank you for mentioning that i forgot Awesome. And uh, next on this podcast, we'll be looking at 2002. Jojo Remy will be returning uh, to have a look at of the further adventures into Enochism. Um So we'll, we'll do a deep dive then. And uh, thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next time. Bye.